This is the first ever, first ever, this is the first ever, first ever podcast recorded with the camera so you guys can actually see me. So if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you. I appreciate it. If you're listening to this on any of the podcast platforms that we host on, you're going to have to imagine my enthusiasm. (laughs) This is very, very cool. Very, very awesome. I'm very excited about it. This is probably going to be more routine if it uh, does well, if you guys like it, if you want to see my facial expressions and how I explain things and the weird hand motions I make, then this is perfect for you. Okay. So today we are talking about puppies and Christmas trees. I know holiday is here. Okay. The time to learn this was two weeks ago, but that's okay. You, you, you still have time. If you haven't put up your Christmas tree because you're a Grinch, I don't know, then this is the time for you to prep and plan. If you've put up your Christmas tree, then maybe this information would have been good two weeks ago. Maybe you just got a puppy. I don't know what your situation is, but I'm just here to provide the information. I'm here to provide the advice, the tips, the lifestyle that you have now chosen and are stuck with. I'm helping you build a better plan long term, as they say. Okay. So there's a couple things we have to go over when we're talking about our puppy and a tree and just distractions in general, okay? The first one is going to be management. You have to manage the situation. I have seen people get very, very creative when they're managing the situation for Christmas and the holidays and everything else that they do in life. But when it comes to a puppy, you really, really have to manage the situation. So some people... And if you do this, I applaud you. I thought about doing it and I was not going through with it because it seemed like a lot of work and it just, it wouldn't have been conducive and a good use of my time to do this just because I wanted to. My dogs are fine around the Christmas tree and you're probably wondering what it is now. So I'm going to tell you, okay, I've I've put suspense on you long enough. You can actually put your tree upside down. You can put your tree upside down you can attach it to the ceiling and so instead of having the big bushy part at the bottom you have it up at the top which means you have the point at the bottom so there's less for your dog to run into especially if they're a bigger puppy and they're all over the place smacking into things okay that can be a wonderful wonderful way to prevent your dog from having an issue with the christmas tree but you have a lot of maintenance and work to do prior Here's an easier method. Go get yourself a baby gate and put it around your tree. Is it going to look the best? No. Do we want it to look the best? That's up to you. Okay, you could decorate it. You could wrap uh, brick wrapping paper around it so it kind of looks like, I don't know, a castle? (laughs) It looks like a castle. I'm remembering when I was a kid, we had brick wallpaper all the time. And I can feel it. It was it was you know crimped, uh, and so you could kind of stack it, and it was very interesting. And I still remember the texture. I don't know what we used it for. I was too young when we were using it to have that memory, but we used it for something, and my family liked it. So if you can find that wallpaper, if you can find that, kudos to you. That's a creativity hack right there. Get a baby gate, wrap it around the tree. Now you're throwing something on there. You're you're adding decorations to your house that weren't previously there. I think it's a win-win. 
and it stops your dog from getting to the tree, especially if you have breakable ornaments on there, right? It doesn't have to be at the bottom of the tree for it to knock off the tree and completely get shattered, okay? Just because your great-great-grandma made it doesn't mean it is impervious to being destroyed. It can easily be destroyed, just like the macaroni art that is hanging on my parents' tree from when I was five. So the first step is management. You have to manage the situation. If you manage the situation well, you don't have to necessarily deal with the problem. Okay, especially through the holidays when we don't want to deal with the problem as much. Maybe we're just going to get through the holidays and we'll figure it out in January. So many people do that. Do not feel that you are alone. You are not. Everybody does it. They go, I'm just going to get through the holidays. I'll start in January. I'll figure out what the problems are in January. I'll just, I'll, I'll, Get through the holidays because I'm already stressed enough and I'm going to wait until January. Okay, you're going to wait to fix your problem behaviors in January. That's okay. So when you're managing the situation, you know that, you understand that. But you also have to understand that problem behaviors are still going to happen. Just because you're managing it doesn't mean things aren't going to happen. Somebody forgets to put the baby gate up or somebody, you know, leaves something out for the dog to take. It's going to happen. The best you can do is manage it unless you're going to train it, which is the next step, okay? Along with management, before I get on to training, by the way, you can cut them off from the entire area. You know, some people have two living rooms or the tree is in the living room and your dog hangs out in the rest of the house. They go to the bedroom, the bathroom, the kitchen. You can just block off the living room. That's totally fine. I've known plenty of people to do that. They just put up large gates and then you just have to either step over the gate or unclasp it, open it up, and just don't let your dog through. That's an option, too. I'm giving you options here, okay? Management. Instead of getting a huge tree, get a small tree, put it up on a counter. Dog can't ruin it that way. Okay, you have limited space for ornaments, but your dog isn't going to ruin the tree, knock it over, pee on it, chew off branches, all of the things that come with a puppy and a Christmas tree. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. So now we move on to the training aspect of it. There's a couple ways you can do this. You can train your dog to be comfortable around the tree and relaxed. You can train your dog to respond to you around the tree, especially when they're excited. Or you can do the management that we talked about before. Okay, right? Goes back to it. <laughs> and you're still going to be doing the management when you're doing these training sessions. So let's talk about the first one. You're going to train your dog to be comfortable around the tree. That means setting out some kind of situation, right? This could be a mat. This could be a bed. This could be just having them stay on the couch. That when the tree is available, right? You don't have the baby gate. Your dog has to be relaxed. This means we're not playing in the living room. We're not running around in the living room. Right? You could even use it as a punishment. Oh, you run around the living room? I'm taking you out of the living room. Right? You need to calm down. You need to relax. Or, right, the training part, 
is having them relax in the living room. That's having them sit on the couch or on a bed or a place. So you're simply going to send them there and then reward them for staying there. Sounds insanely simple because it really, really is. The more your dog gets used to staying put and relaxing, the more they're going to do that. Think about when you come home from work. What's the first thing you do? Well, I don't know what's the first thing you do. When I come home from work and I'm trying to relax, I sit on the couch and I pull out my phone. Eh, maybe 20 minutes. And then I get up and I start doing things, right? But that initial relaxation time is conditioned into my brain. Well, I'm done with work. I deserve to sit down and relax for a little bit. So I sit down and I relax. And then my brain says, okay, I've relaxed. Now it's time to do the next thing. So when you're teaching your dog to be okay and relaxed in these environments, you're simply teaching them a routine. I walk into the living room, I go right to the couch. And when I lay down, I get rewarded for laying down. I get rewarded for going to my bed. I get rewarded for going to place. And if I do anything else in this living room, I get the boot. Not actually kicking your dog. I'm not recommending kicking your dog. You get the boot, meaning you're out of the living room. Okay. Now with that, you also want to train your dog that when they get excited, they still have to listen to you. So if they're in the living room and they're getting all antsy, all crazy, and you say sit or you say down or you say their name trying to get their attention and they don't listen, that means you have to do a lot more work when your dog is excited, especially as a puppy, when they're excited but still focused. What does that look like? That means playing with your dog, stopping, and then rewarding for calm behavior. Play, stop, 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 play, blah, 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 over and over and over and over and over again until they start to understand the concept that when we are playing and everything stops moving, you stop moving and you become nice and calm. Then you start to work in these other obedience behaviors. So you start playing, you're going to say sit. And then you're going to stop moving. You're going to wait for the behavior you asked for. And then you reward that behavior. Now, you can reward it with a treat. You can reward it with a toy. Or you can reward it with more running around and playing. I do not recommend doing this in the living room. Why? Because if you play in the living room and you don't want them to be playing in the living room, you are teaching them it's okay to play in the living room. Sounds easy enough. Right? They make associations so quickly, and sometimes we don't necessarily think about the associations they're making. We just live in life. Okay. So think about what your dog is learning and try to control it as much as possible. Reward them for the things you like. Don't reward them for the things you don't like. So you don't like them playing in the living room. Don't reward them in the living room for playing. Only reward them in the living room for being relaxed. It's just a huge relaxation space. Any other place, play to your heart's content. All right? We're outside, we're at the park, play, 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 play. I would still want to do obedience and focus, but in this scenario, I'd much rather have them play outside, still practicing, playing with focus and obedience, but the relaxation is in the living room. When you teach your dog that getting excited and obedience go hand in hand, right? that excitement and focus go hand in hand, they actually get better at listening with high-level distractions. I'm going to say it again. When you practice obedience and excitement over and over, your dog gets better at focusing around high-level distractions. So when your dog is chewing on the tree because you didn't put the gate up, because you thought that was a silly idea, and you call them over, they're going to be better at it simply because you've practiced this behavior over and over and over again, right? You're playing outside, running around, then you stop moving. They stop moving. They go, I don't know what's happening. Maybe they jump up at you. 
words. Maybe they jump up at you because they want to play more, but you don't give into it. You don't reward it. So what's the next logical thing? Well, maybe I just stand here and wait for a second, right? That patience. Then we reward the patience. That becomes the common denominator that keeps getting rewarded. And therefore, it will increase in frequency. The things that get rewarded increase in frequency. That's literally the definition of reinforcement. Okay? Literally the definition of reinforcement. You reward it, and it happens more often. Boom. <laughs> that's it. So if you want your dog to be calmer, reward them for being calm. And it'll happen more frequently. If you want them to be crazy, reward them for being crazy. And how often does that happen, right? You have guests come over. They come in. Hey, how we doing? Oh, my God, I love you. Blah, 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 blah. The dog thinks this is the greatest thing in the world. And because it's so reinforcing, no matter how much you yell at them, no matter how much you punish them, reinforcement will outweigh that punishment. Oh, jeez. Hit my, uh, <laughs> I hit my screen here, right? The reinforcement will always outweigh that punishment simply because of how valuable reinforcement is. Okay. I want you to think about staying busy and being active. There was actually a study done on this with people. They put them in a waiting room and they put a toy on the desk. Okay. They're in a waiting room with a doctor's office. They don't say how long the person's going to be waiting for, but they wait and wait and wait. I don't remember the exact time that they waited, but it wasn't very long. It wasn't hours upon hours. It was maybe 20 minutes, but I believe they couldn't use their phone. They had to take their phone out before they went into the waiting room or there was no service, something like that. So the person couldn't distract themselves with the common pleasantries of social media and the internet. So they had to find something else to do. Now, if boredom is painful, okay, boredom is painful to the person sitting in the waiting room, they're going to find something to do. The only thing that was there, there was no magazines, you couldn't go on your phone, there was no books, was a toy. So they take the toy and it just has a button. The person presses the button and gets an electric shock. Not crazy, just enough to stimulate their brain. The amount of people that kept pressing the button after knowing it was going to give them a tiny little tingle. Why would they do this? Because they're bored and they're being punished for being bored. So to relieve that boredom, they found something to do that was reinforcing, even though there was punishment associated with the boredom, or there was punishment associated with the reinforcement, right? The reinforcement was doing something, actively engaging with something, and the punishment was getting electrified. They still went with the toy that electrified them. Why would they do this? That makes that literally makes no sense to any logical person who was not in the situation that they were in. But it happened over and over and over again to almost everybody who conducted the study. I'll probably link it in the show notes in the YouTube description what the study is if I can find it. Incredible. That is what's happening with your dog when people come over and you start yelling at the dog to stop jumping. They're still getting reinforced for it. Or they take a stick off the tree or an ornament right? Sometimes you got those plush toy ornaments, hopefully not a glass ornament, but it does happen. If that happens, call your vet immediately. You don't know what they've gotten in their mouth. Even if everything looks fine, call your vet just to make sure. So, right, they get something off the tree, they get a branch, they get a stick. Even though you're yelling at them to stop, it's still reinforcing to play chase. They think it is so much fun for you to chase them around simply because it's reinforcing that they're going to keep doing it. How often do they take something and you want it back 
You chase them around. That's reinforcing. You yell at them. You finally catch them, and you steal the thing away. All right? We got so many things going on in this one scenario. It's reinforcing for them to run away. It's punishing to let you have the thing. All right? So now you're 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 breaking down trust, which means resource guarding is probably going to happen at some point to some extent. Right? Resource guarding is just holding on to the item that they believe is a, a finite resource. Right? If it's a stick and you're going to steal it. They start to distrust you, right? They lost trust in you, and they're going to hold on to that stick as best as they possibly can, meaning running away, hiding, growling at you, and sometimes even snapping at you. I don't want that for you. I really don't, especially around the holidays, right? There's a social media video, it's probably going to circulate again, it happens every year, where a gentleman's walking towards his family, dog's on the floor chewing a bone, having a grand old time. The gentleman does not see the dog, but steps right in front of the dog. The dog believed it was his right to bite this gentleman in the foot because he got too close. Okay, there was gifts all over the place. There's wrapping paper. He can't even see the dog. The dog bites him in the leg. The gentleman falls to the ground. The dog continues to bite him because the guy gets closer to the actual resource that this dog is guarding. That's insane. Right? The person had no recollection of it, but now we've ruined Christmas morning and now we got to go to the ER because this individual got bit several times and they're probably going to get rid of the dog. All because there was a lack of trust in that scenario. All right, I'm getting off my high horse here. Resource guarding for another topic. We have a podcast on it. Maybe I'll do it in more depth about presents and guarding Christmas presents. <laughs> Not to laugh at other people's expense. It's just... Christmas and, and the holidays. Things are supposed to be joyous and exciting and happy and, and dogs make it difficult for us when they are chaotic. It's easier if your dog is trained. It's a lot harder if your dog is chaotic. Point. Case. Boom. Case closed. <laughs> okay? So you have management, you have teaching them how to be calm, and you have teaching them how to respond even when they are excited. Okay? Those are your three breakdowns. That's it. Beyond that is getting rid of the dog or sending the dog to a boarding train so you don't have to deal with it or just a boarding facility, okay? Those are uh, fall into the management. Getting rid of the dog doesn't really fall into management. It just falls into getting rid of the dog. But if you can't deal with the behavior, sometimes it's good to just send them to a daycare or a boarding place. I had my brother's wedding recently. And instead of worrying about where the dogs were going and having to come back between the wedding and the reception, I just sent them to a boarding facility. I knew they were going to be safe. Boarding facility had cameras, and I was allowed to look at the dogs the whole time. But because my brain was more occupied with my brother and being his best man, I did not want to have to stress about my dogs. Right? I put them in a place I trusted. I put them in a place where they weren't going to get in trouble, and they weren't going to have any injuries. Right? The chance of having an injury was very low. And in the hands of trained professionals. I felt safe doing that. If you don't feel safe throughout the holidays... You're doing something wrong, okay? And by safe, I mean you're either setting up management or a boarding facility so that you can focus on what you need to focus on because if you're focusing on too many things, your dog's not going to get your priority or your the dog's not going to be your priority, I'm sorry. Your dog's not going to be your priority. And if they're not your priority, something's going to happen. You're going to be focusing on cooking dinner and they're going to choose something they shouldn't have. Right? You're going to be focused on entertaining guests, and they're going to knock over a kid. Kid gets hurt. Dog goes to a new home. 
I don't want to see it happen. So managing them takes away all that chaos, all the problems. You can say, I know where my dog is. I know he's safe. He's not going to ruin the tree. Okay. Or he's in the bedroom with a toy and he's just enjoying himself, relaxing. Or he's in the crate, in the bathroom, whatever it may be. I don't know who puts a crate in the bathroom. I don't know who puts a crate in the bathroom. But <laughs> if you do, if you have a big enough bathroom for a crate, go for it. Right? So you, you're just managing the situation. If you still have time to train it, by all means, go for it. You should train every day. Breakfast and dinner. I always say this. Breakfast and dinner is the best time to train your dog. Breakfast and dinner is the best possible time to train your dog, period. You then have teaching them how to be calm. I kind of swapped those there on you. Ha <laughs> ha. Got to pay attention. I'm swapping things around. Right? So you have teaching them to be calm, which can take a long time, especially if you have a puppy who has no foundational skills, doesn't know anything because you have you just haven't had the chance to work on them because you just got the puppy, okay? Or they're just an overly excited, friendly puppy. This is not the time to work on it. The time to work on it is in training sessions. I was thinking about this earlier, right? Firemen don't become firemen when they run into a fire. Firemen become firemen through the training process. You have to go through training in order to be prepared when the time comes. You have to go through the training in order to be prepared when the time comes. Nobody goes to the gym and starts, or nobody goes and runs a marathon without going to the gym every day or running every day, right? And I, I've, I've watched plenty of videos because I have dreams of being a marathon runner and just haven't done it yet. It's, it's on the list now. And now that I've said it to all of you, you guys better keep me accountable. If you've listened to this, message me on social media and be like, hey, you said you were going to run a marathon. When's the date? And then we'll make it happen. Maybe I'll bring one of my dogs with me. Although that's a long distance for them to go. Well, not really. I guess, again, right? right? Oh, man, we're going full circle today. <laughs> okay. If you train it, it's okay. So if I train my dogs to run a marathon, that's probably good. Right? Hmm? Would we agree? I think everyone would agree. Right? If we go through the training process, my dogs will be perfect at running a marathon. I would be great. I'm not going to say perfect. Great <laughs> at running a marathon. Ooh, maybe this is a challenge. I'll run an entire marathon with my dog off leash. I've said it. I've said it. You guys got to keep me accountable. That's a New Year's resolution right there. I want to run my dogs. Should I say both of them? I did say plural. Mm, mm. Should run both my dogs off leash for an entire marathon. I've said it. It is it is concrete now. Not only is it on Acknowledge Dogs podcast, but it is on the Matador Canine YouTube channel at this point. It is what it is. I don't know when the date is going to be. If somebody lives in the area or knows of a marathon and they would like to run with me, I would love to run with you. You let me know if the date is in the next two weeks. It ain't happening. <laughs> but if it is not within the next two weeks and it's in a couple months... <laughs> So I can train properly, we'll do it. But that's the whole point, right? You have to train before you get to the end result. You got to train before you get there. Just to recap, management, teaching, training. Management, teaching, training. Management, teaching, training. Management, teaching, training. Manage the situations if you can't train or teach in that situation. Teach your dog to be relaxed in the environment you need them to be relaxed in. Or train your dog to be focused even when they are excited. 
Good luck. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for tuning in. If you are on our podcast platforms and, and all that stuff, thank you. I appreciate it. Go enjoy the rest of your day. Maybe listen to more. I don't know what you got going on the rest of the day. Maybe you're in the car. Maybe you're dissecting rats. Maybe you're uh, cooking dinner. If you're cooking dinner, please invite me. I love food. If you're on our YouTube channel, thank you. I appreciate it. This is the first ever episode that we've done a podcast and converted it onto our YouTube channel. So I'm very excited about it. Please, in the comments, let me know what you thought, what you think, and what you would like to see in the future. Stay training. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged Dogs, please share it with them. You can post it on Facebook. We are also on every social media platform, so make sure you tag us, Matador Canine. You can also head over to Matador Canine and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors. Reach the goals that you want and have the dog that always listens.